My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you wanna make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Constant listeners, and welcome yet again to The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast from the Consequence Podcast Network. My name is Rockin' Randall Colburn, and guess what? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Well, maybe not the year because this isn't a yearly thing. It's the most wonderful event that we get. It's the most wonderful <laughs> event that we it's get. It's the best thing that's ever happened. It's the best yes. thing that has ever happened on the Losers Club podcast and maybe the podcast network in general. I think so. Uh, it's a bold statement, but I'm going to go there. It's the Kingies. Love the Kingies. Yeah. <laughs> this is our second annual Kingies. Well, it's uh, not even an annual. <laughs> Yeah, by at this point. <laughs> when wording this, it was so hard. Yeah, I know. It's it's like, you never, you never know when it's going to come, but you always know it's going to be a good time. It's yeah. true. It's true. So what the Kingies are, just to be clear, is they're awards that we give every time we finish a decade in King's oeuvre. And so uh, we did one for the seventies. Uh, and do you guys remember what book we settled on as the best book of the seventies of King? I, I can give you my zone. personal one, but I think probably the Dead Zone. Yeah, I think for me at least. Yeah, I think What's a lot the stand? of. Uh, the stand was not. I think we all kind of were like, eh, fuck the stand. No, we weren't like. <laughs> I, I think the 70s were so strong. I think I had so many that I gave four bright red penny mice clown noses to. Well, you know, it was a good decade. The 70s is just such a cutthroat time. French connections. You know, we the were French connection, all the presidents shots. men, Watergate. Francis Ford Coppola. Like King, I was so coked out, I don't remember anything <laughs> about the 70s. Uh, just kidding. So we had a great time with the King. Randall Kingies is 57 last... years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, happy birthday, Randall. <laughs> Thank you, I'm 57. He's wearing a brown button-up shirt, and he's got a gold, <laughs> you know, necklace on right now. <laughs> my, my chest hair is flowing. Um, yeah, so we had a great time with our kingies for the 70s and we've with the dark half we finished uh the 80s which was a huge deal and we're embarking upon the turbulent 90s a pretty great decade honestly uh but maybe not for king i think there's a lot of ups and downs but a lot of really interesting uh thematic avenues to explore i think with king he he was he was pushing his own boundaries a lot in the 90s i think so so today we're going to go through our favorite and least favorite novels, characters, uh, our tastiest bits of pound cake, and the scariest moments that we encountered uh, throughout this entire decade, which began, gosh, like a long, it began with the book Firestarter, which I, I we were talking about before this episode, before we started recording, was Mad Mel Castle's first episode. Mm-hmm. True, so it was a little baby. That's how long... <laughs> Uh, this journey to the 80s bit. has been. But uh, before we hop into the Kingies, we should go around and say who we are. Um, like I said, I'm rocking Randall Colburn. And who is sitting across from me? Uh, well, this is uh, Michael Stephen King Rothman. Oh, good um, one. <laughs> Editor-in-chief of Consequence oh, of Sound. Did you workshop that? I did. You know, I sat there for a while. I just got back from Florida and I was on the beach and uh, my girlfriend was like, what are you doing out there? And I was like, just thinking, just leave me alone. And then I got back and I was like, I, I, I know now. Well, it's it really was. about getting back to the, the the core. What is the podcast about? It is about Dean Koontz. Um, oh no, <laughs> you're being ironic. Well, I, I am can, being ironic. <laughs> I could Don't be Ra- I could be Randall Koontz Colburn. That would Ooh, actually be pretty, well, pretty good one. Uh, who's sitting to my left? Well, this is Justin Rainbird Gerber <laughs> celebrating <laughs> Firestarter, <laughs> and of course, I think Rainbird was uh, part Native American. Mm. Yeah, problematic. I'm not. I'm not, admittedly. 
But um, yeah, well, let's let's celebrate 1980. You the be, year uh, I was born, by the Justin way. Justin Barton Dawes. Uh, oh, Gerber. Jesus. Um, we'll begin to Barton Dawes. <laughs> <laughs> he may. Well, no spoilers. We'll get to him in a bit. You could have been Randall Dan Killian Colburn. Ooh, Ooh. my favorite character. <laughs> I literally can't remember what book he's from. That's uh, Running Man. Oh, is that yeah, Running Man? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then who is talking to us from? I believe it was Missouri. It was Missouri. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! I'm ah, never coming back. The mighty Missouri Mississippi River. Uh-huh. Missouri. Missouri Mel. Uh, <laughs> Missouri Mel, I love it. That's it. It's no. Missouri Mel Castle. No. How are no, you, Mel? There's something in the mist, Castle. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm doing well. Thank That's you for good. Asking. It's good to have you. Uh, we're missing our fellow losers in Mac and Dan, Aisha, Lara, but. Um, and Dan Flieger. Oh, and Mr. Flieger. So we have two Dans. Yeah, we have two Dan. We There's so many Dans now. It's exciting. We have so many fun losers, so, mu- so much exciting uh, times to come. Man, I can't wait to talk about Rose Matter. Mm-hmm. You know what? This is what I'm talking about the 90s. I, that might be my least read King Decade. Yeah. yeah. I think it is for a lot of people. So let's get started. I'm going to hand this over to Justo because he kind of applied his Gerberlytics method yeah. to how we're going to break this all down. And just to be clear, we're going to share our own kingy picks, but then we're also going to talk about your kingy picks that you shared with us on social media. And if there are debates as to the authenticity of the results, we do have our uh, team of experts that are waiting in New York. Um, yeah, Price Waterhouse, actually. Yes. <laughs> um, they, they do have the results. Great. Um, it, they, they took care of us and, of course, the Academy Awards every Wonderful. year. So we Wonderful. appreciate them. It's true. Well, Justo, why don't you give people a glimpse into your kingy process? Randall, thank you so much. Well, this was also, speaking of workshopping nicknames, this was also a workshop for a little while. I think I sent an email out with the categories and I got a resounding, yeah, that works. <laughs> and so I set about Survey Monkey. It was so Monkey. good, Justin. Well, thank, thank you, Mel. Thank you, Mel. And so I set about Survey Monkey and uh, we, we literally got hundreds of responses to mm-hmm. these, including a lot of the ones where you had to literally just write out your, your answers for some of these. Uh, very ple- pleased as punch, as one loser <laughs> what might type say. Of punch? Uh, rum punch. I like rum punch. Mm. Elmore Leonard. We've, we're already up on a tangent, as I'm just trying to explain how this process <laughs> took place. So basically, everybody had a week for every survey. First of all, I sent off the, uh, the best of mm-hmm. Stephen King from the 1980s. And then last week, I sent out, let's hear about the, uh, the worst, worst of Stephen King from the 80s. I have compiled them here. Into individual envelopes. He's very excited about the envelopes. I'm very excited envelopes. because the only person who has the answers, besides, of course, Price Waterhouse, <laughs> is honorary Price Waterhouse member Justin Gerber. I have got the results, I've got the statistical breakdowns. I even went ahead because I was bored and ranked per book the amount of answers for like scariest moment and tastiest pound cake. So oh, we'll, we'll break down that. We'll break that down a little bit too. Very exciting. Well, I, congratulations and major kudos. Major kudos. Major kudos. You know, major Thompson, uh, major dad, <laughs> Gerald McCraney is great in Deadwood. Oh yeah. God. Anyway. Yeah. Wait, it comes back May 31st on HBO. Uh, Absolutely. Our sponsors. Uh, thanks Deadwood. Thanks yeah. Showtime. So are HBO we going to kick things off? <laughs> it's official Mel. The outsider on, uh, and on HBO, all streaming. Hey, services. did you see that there was a glimpse of it on? Um, there was like an HBO yeah, one of those uh, compilations they do like before yeah. the Game of Thrones finale. It was just like all the stuff that's coming to HBO, and uh, there was a uh, clip from The Outsider. In my there. my boy Jason Bateman's going to be in it. I know. I I thought he was he's just producing. Producer, I didn't realize he was in it. Can't wait for. He's like, I just don't know where this killer is. <laughs> I just want my kids back. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Where's Tom Jane? Um, so, are we going to kick things off? 
Let's kick things off We're with a bang. Things, yeah. I think, Mike, you have the first envelope. What's the first category before we open that envelope? Well, the first category is worst protagonist. Oh, yeah, worst we're starting with the worst. Uh, I know it might be a little negative for some of you, but trust it's me. It's just like the Oscars. They yeah. start with worst just like supporting actor. <laughs> where they give the worst, the worst out. Man, what if they did that? Like, That'd be hilarious. The Razzies and the Oscars merge. Oh, um, yeah. So let's kick things off. We're going to talk about worst protagonist. Are we going to read all the nominees? There's a lot. Okay, there's a lot. So, but I guess we should break down just just to be clear Lydia. right now. Say what books we're talking about throughout the entirety of this episode. Oh, good lord, we're talking about every '80s novel, so, including every '80s short story. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not short story, but '80s novellas, and also the Bachman books and the Bachman books. So there there was about I think 20 plus. <laughs> Uh, people per category for these. So Good let's lot. talk about just briefly. I'll run down the list of what books and stories uh, were eligible here, That's and good. then we'll do it one time, and then we won't have to do it again. Yeah. So this like is that. in order: uh, Firestarter, mm-hmm. Roadwork, Cujo. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Cujo. Cujo. The Running Man. Running. The Dark Tower One. The Gunslinger. Christine. Pet Cemetery, Cycle of the Werewolf, The Talisman, co-written with Peter Straub. It's like Smaug. The Desolation of Straub. (laughs) Desolation of Straub. Smaug. Uh, Speaking of The Eyes of the Dragon, uh, Thinner, It, maybe you've heard of it. Uh, The Dark Tower 2, The Drawing of the Three, should be Drawing of the Two. Uh, Misery, The Tommyknockers, The Dark Half, and then we've got some novellas in The Body, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, The Breathing Method, The Mist. Which and, means we also have different people. Yeah. Different, which means different it's seasons and skeleton crew, for, yeah. you know. And so, yeah, there will be things that come and go. And then also skeleton crew, obviously, will be included in later uh, categories. So we're going to talk more about that later. So, uh, Mike, why don't you, uh, why don't we go around and share who our worst protagonist is, starting with you? I had to go with Ben Richards from The Running Man. Oh, Mm. man. Tell us about it. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, he's not bad per se. I mean, he's actually kind of enjoyable to just kind of root for on a basic level in terms of just seeing sort of a pulpy genre story. Uh, But that third act, he kind of just kicks and shits the bed. Like, it's just all morality and sense of logic goes out the window. Uh, he climbs aboard an airplane and, you know, descends upon the boss. And it just seems ridiculous to me. And yeah. so about, I think even before that, though, around halfway point, uh, the halfway point of the book, I'm kind of like, I don't really give a shit about him anymore. You know, you know, I'm going to hop in just to say to piggyback on that, because mine is the same. Yeah, I really hate the running man. Yeah, I hate the novella and I find him to be a thoroughly uh uh, repugnant character. Yeah. I think one of the big parts of our episode was talking about what an asshole he yeah. was. They couldn't even make him an anti-hero. Right. He was just unlikable from the, from the get-go for me. He's just thoroughly boring and unlikable. So, gotta say, that's my pick. Ooh. Well, ben. Mel, what about you? It's been a while since I've read The Running Man, so I went with uh, Barton George Dawes from Roadwork. Mm. Although I really, you know, guard old guard from Tommy Knockers was a close <laughs> second. I just didn't feel like railing against him again. So you can listen to that episode if you want to hear me get mad. I was prepared um, for you to, to pick garden. Yeah, I figured you would be, but, um, <laughs> of the garden variety. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be old Bart. Uh, I think that book is really Stephen King projecting himself into like an older curmudgeonly body to no effect. <laughs> like it's just, it's just, it reminds me of boomerism now. Oh, and it man. was 
back then and it's it's just a slog i hated it and then he sleeps with his you know manic pixie dream girl hitchhiker which is just gross that's why you know he uh, edged out uh, ben for me but uh no i'm just joking <laughs> i didn't actually even finish road work so that's like, news oh, to me that chick though that was fucking hot well it worked for very, zach braff in garden states so very moby-esque oh oh god timely <laughs> jokes oh, top, topical will this still be topical in two days when say <laughs> yeah. let's see hey media is crazy to stay everybody um I, mel i'm with you I think Dawes is the worst protagonist. Wow. The, the I, I was on the real work episode, I believe, and mm-hmm. I think I probably gave that. I must have given it a, an, a one out of five. Bright opinion of clown noses. It's Thoughts an awful on, book. A uh, very boring character. Even though he's railing against the man, which I love to do. <laughs> he's Especially still, nowadays, am I right? he's like, you know, he's like um, yeah, he's, he's on the run from the law right now. I think just to do. <laughs> he is. I know. I'm, I'm hooking up with manic pixie dream. Oh, listen with manic street preacher. preacher. Yeah. That's what um, you're listening to. Sounds pretty cool though. Um, just I feel like manic. George Barton Dawes is the equivalent of like Seth Abramson, you know, just a whole bunch of absolute nothingness <laughs> on Twitter. Lots of talk, uh, lots of talk and no, no action. No action. He reminds me of guard. Actually. They both have this like weirdly specific ax to grind that for me is repugnant. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, it's I, a very I male axe. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's an axe shaped like a dick for sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's a real work for me, and he is just—he's—he's he's just bad. He sucks. That's my—that's my take. I, I have one question. Ooh. You know, out of the more favorable ones, mm. these are kind of deep cuts that we've right. chosen. If you had to choose one of the more populist uh, options that would be considered a hot take, who would it be? A hot take. See, yeah. that's a good question. I was actually thinking about that because I'm like, we're all just going to choose like the Bachman guys, yeah. aren't we? Um, so I don't know. I mean, I guess I might say um, Charlie from Firestarter because I I just fucking little kids are fucking boring and I'm not into <laughs> well, that's it. A, that's a hot take because it's Firestarter. No, it's yeah. actually scorching. No, I'm just kidding. I, no, I don't know. I mean, I will say I just don't love Firestarter as a book yeah. and I don't find her particularly compelling. And so, but then when I look at the, it's, it's tough because when I look at this list, I see a lot of characters I really love. And, um, I mean, I could say the same about Charlie as Marty Kozlaw, cause isn't he the little kid? Yeah. From Cycle of Werewolf. Yeah. I don't like little kid and little kids unless they're the losers. Yeah. Especially in horror movies too. Nah. Just yeah. give me a, just give me the losers and, um, that's, I'm good with that. And then I don't know, like Billy Halleck and Finner is just a kind of a, I mean, it's all the Bachman guys, right? I almost chose Tad Beaumont. Interesting. Interesting. Talk I don't about know. that. I, I just thought that he was just a little too. There, you know, a lot of the readers or listeners that we we have on our socials kind of hit the the nail on the head for me with this book with that book because I wasn't on that episode. And for me, it was like, wow, on page one hundred, you're still in the kitchen, <laughs> and one hundred and fifty. And like, I felt like the book never really gives Tad much of a chance to be a protagonist. Like mm-hmm. he's kind of just you know ramshackled into having to be in his mind a little bit too much, and so. For me, it just I, I didn't get a much out of him, and he, you know, he's considered one of the more iconic characters in King's, you know, oeuvre. So I feel like, like Stark is considered more of an iconic character. So I would agree yeah, with you, Mike. I don't yeah. think Thad is that exciting of a character yeah. in the in the book or the movie, to be honest with you. As we talked about you last want, week, you want my hot take? Yes. Yeah. It's Andy Dufresne. He's boring. Ooh. He's see, it was he's tough nobody. because I actually he's, wanted to put I almost because I I can only put one per per story. You know, so yeah. I wanted to kind of put Red as the actual protagonist, but he's really just a storyteller. Well, Red's more interesting than yeah. Andy is. He is, but Andy is such a legendary, flawless figure. Yeah, but he's telling the story, so it's it was it was tough to do the narrator as opposed to the actual. It was complicated, yeah. you know, to make this list. What, what if we chose the losers? It's okay, Justin. 
The no, actually, Mel, I actually think that's interesting, and I thought about that, too, because in the book, Andy's sort of rendered like a tall tale, you know? Yeah. Um, right. But, uh, no, it's funny. I was actually thinking, like, what if we said Roland? Yeah, <laughs> like, just totally kill any Fuck chances him. of this series for us. It was actually a pretty, I'm looking through this list, it's a pretty strong decade. I mean, it is. If I, would, I would probably say Dennis Gilder. Yeah, I thought about him also. If yeah. you really want to narrow it down. See, that's yeah. one of the few books of this decade because I wasn't on that episode and I didn't get around to reading it. I, uh, but the thing is, I loved it when I yeah. was young. Oh, so did I. But the reread, I still think it's pretty good. But yeah. in terms of like milk toast leads, he's yeah. up there. Yeah. You oh, know no, what's totally. funny, though? Like just when I hear you guys say that Dennis is lame and when I think about when I read it, when I was a kid, I like idolized Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like Zach Morris was my fucking hero. I am not exaggerating. You I got to watch that uh, special series um, that talks about how Zach Morris is a jerk. Um, Zach uh, Morris is trash. Uh, Jack is trash. Would yeah. never do it. <laughs> so uh, funny. He's, he's, a, he's a god emperor in my eyes. And, um, god emperor. No, so I don't know. When I was young, I always kind of quietly, even though they, they picked on me a lot, I always kind of quietly idolized nice bullies, or not bullies, but uh, nice jocks. Like, um, And so I think I always kind of like, I wanted a dentist in my life because I was the Arnie of my life. And I you wanted someone to like hand you their jersey after the game. Yeah. I I was the Randall Pink Floyd of my high school. I was oh. friends with the, I was friends with the drama kids. I was friends with the jocks. Whoa. You know, coach was, was always, everybody. you know, just telling you to do the right thing. The right? coach. No, we said we were going to keep paperwork. this tight. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Mel, tight for us is three hours. Yeah. To true. Be honest. Well, let's see what the, the people. Oh, the people's. So Mike has got the envelope. This is exciting. Let's hear it. The worst protagonists the people have chosen. What do they of choose? The 80s. Of All the right. 1980s. And the worst protagonist, according to the constant listeners, are the people. Yes. Barton George Dodds. Yeah. He did it. And I can tell you right now, hundreds of people responded. 41% Oof. for, for uh, Barton George Dodds. <laughs> what was two, though? 41%. Number two with 16%. I think Mel rigged it. Guard. Oh, oh wow. So Mel Beverage, Castle. That's kind of crazy. I reached out individually to so many listeners. It's Mel. It's the Castle <laughs> Bump. That I would do them some favors. If they I've heard of Castle Rock, but the Castle Bump. I mean, that's what we got here. Um, <laughs> and then, the vote, you know? And I'll say number three, my, uh, Mike Roth and Ben Richards, 11%. Ah, hey, that was my pick, too. Yeah. So there you go. Who is number four? Number, let's go, let's, <laughs> let's go all the way down. Uh, keep it tight. All right. <laughs> there was a t- no, there was a tie. Thad Beaumont tied for number four. Wow. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. How Looks about like that? we were tapping into the zeitgeist. I mean, this is the, very I, exciting. I, honestly, even based on the numbers of the episodes, <laughs> Dark Half was was one of our, our least successful book episodes. Um, I just don't think people like this that that book, or they haven't really read well, it. You'll be all, surprised so. with some results we as we go along, though. Oh, say that interesting. Much. interesting. Right, there you go. That's a spoiler. Um, if you uh, if you heard of that one, well, but, let's um, let's move on to our next category, which is the worst villain. <laughs> and so again, we're going with the books from the '80s. Let's go around in a uh, little circle, uh, but also a, a circle that encompasses Missouri, which is where it's Iowa City. Ah! <laughs> so Missouri worst Mill. villain. <laughs> I've got the magic envelope for this one, so I'm going to start and. This one, I think I'm going to go with, like, I've been I've been going back and forth on this a little bit, but I think I do need to go with 
John Rainbird from Firestarter. Mm. He's a bad one. I do not like. I found. I remember finding. Uh, and that's. I, I'm skipping over some of the easier ones. I yeah. think. Uh, but I think I want to go with a little bit of a hotter take, just because. And it's not just because. Uh, you know, his the legacy of the character has been sullied a bit by a white man playing him in the movie. <laughs> but uh, I also just found the character very um, impenetrable. Uh, and uninteresting, and I remember the motivations were very murky for the character. Just one that I have no real grasp on. And but the thing is, I see the potential of it, and I think it could be could be good. But there's also kind of a quiet uh, racial thing where I'm not sure why the character needed to be Native American. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know. I, my problem is the same problem I've got with a couple other books from this decade. Is I hate spending a lot of time in the minds of the villains. Yeah, just. You're, you're taking me out of the mystery too much. And you spend a lot of time with John Raybird. You spend a lot of time with the shop and Firestarter. And that hurts the character. I agree. I think it's a pretty bad character. But for me, it's the Tommyknockers are the worst. I think <laughs> um, the, the hive mind aspect that the king is going for in that, the um, just how as smart as they are, how stupid they all are, and how boring. It's just a very... I love that. I, think I just think they're <laughs> agree, very... Mel. I was very bored anytime we spent time with the actual Tommyknockers and, and, the, and the, again, it's a mess. The book's a mess. I mean, King has admitted it himself. I don't have anything else to say about that I book. stand by it. One of Randall's favorite books all, ever. Of all time. Mm-hmm. It's that and then James Joyce's Ulysses. It's true. Those <laughs> oh, are the top two. Uh, Mel, who is your least favorite villain? My least favorite villain, uh, to repeat what you've said, Randall, is John Rainbird. I, I think... I think the race thing is not quiet. I think it's loud, obnoxious, and insensitive. And uh, I think, yeah, you're right. He's totally um, like a block of ice that we're supposed to – I think we're supposed to think he's kind of like cool. Oh, definitely. In the the way that like a a hardened assassin is cool. But it really really falls flat um, in offensive ways and in ways that are just bad writing. So no thanks to the Rainbird from me. Hard pass. Mike? Well, no rain on this day. Uh, I'm going with Barton George Dodd uh, <laughs> from Roadwork. <laughs> yeah, so that was my little fun little bit there I yeah. played because he's, in my opinion, he's also a fucking antagonist. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a, a jerk. He's, he's a, a bad he's guy. A he's his own worst enemy. Yes. And I only know this because I read 50 pages of the book. So, um, you know. There you go. Bold statement, but Mike, I think it's a good statement. <laughs> I, Mike, have you considered uh, choosing a character from a book you've read? Um, if I did <laughs> have to choose that one, I might go with... Um, uh, well, I guess it would rain. Uh, John Rainbird. <laughs> no, I'm only happy when it rains. But so. the, the, here's the, oh god, I love that not. song by uh, Garbage. Um, but the thing I do like about Rainbird is that he's played by one of my favorite actors of all time, George C. Scott. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, George C. Scott's a great actor. I don't know Noted why Native American. They should have got yeah. the Native American from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, that would have been cool. He was no, the only one. No, no. Mel, what did the, what Mel, did the people you, think? Do you Tell have another? Wait, Mel, do you have any other ideas for who could play this? Anyway, uh, okay. Okay, let's open up and see who oh, you voted to be the worst villain of the 1980s Stephen King <laughs> the, universe. The loser is. The loser is. Oh, I'm excited about this. Holy shit, it is a tie. Oh. Are you guys ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> Barton George yes. Dawes from Road Warrior. He's tied with the Knockers. Ah, with with the T-Nox. This time, Justin rocked the vote. Justin hey, rocked rock the, the vote. vote. Let, me, let me break this down. Yes, hey, that's let's, right. Let's get these Gerberlytics. Barton George Dawes from Road Work. And the Tommy Knockers from Road the Road Tommy Knockers. What are you, Christopher Walken? 18.8% a piece for those. So those that's number one with a bullet. Wow. Silver bullet. 
About I will say John Rainbird with seventeen percent at with seventeen oh, uh, percent wow. just behind. So coming up close. I like to think that we're, we've got uh, we're pretty synced up well with our with our listeners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess maybe that's why they've been listening to us for two and a half. That years. would say so. Yeah. Okay, that's, that makes sense. Although they really do love uh, some stories that we don't really like, which is a, a movie coming out in November, and we'll, we'll we'll have a nice contentious debate when it comes out. So which one's that? Uh, Doctor Sleep. Oh yeah. So, well, uh, well, we get to the odds or yeah. the teens. We'll talk yeah, about yeah. that. The hot teens. Hot teens. All right. Ooh, no, Next no. category. This is a nice trim oh, one gross. here. Yeah, the nice. worst Bachman book. Mm. Who's got the envelope for <laughs> this one? Well, let's let's read the nominees. <laughs> <laughs> so the nominees: Roadwork, The Running Man, and Thinna. Again, this is wow. for the '80s only. This isn't all Bachman books. Yeah, yeah. '80s gonna only. Be a- going to be a close race. So let's go through them all. Um, who's reading this one, Justo? Um, it's going to be Mel. So Mel, why don't you yeah. start? What is the worst Bachman book of the No, 80s? you have it. Does no, it? but it's for oh. Mel. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, have it Got to involve the woman somehow. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, it's, there's just nothing to say. Um, it's going to be road work. Road work. <laughs> for me. It feels like it's, that's how David Attenborough pronounces things, too. He always puts it on the second, like the latter half. He's like, a bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to make nature exciting somehow. Road work. Uh, well, that's a pretty easy answer. I'll jump in. I'm going to say uh, road, road work sucks, but nothing is worse than The Running Man. Oh, wow. Well, I'll jump on top oh, of that wow. and say, Randall, I disagree with you because The Running Man sucks, but nothing is worse than Road Work. <laughs> I found The Running Man to be a thoroughly unpleasant read. Um, I think that it starts off kind of interesting. And then especially once you've seen the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where you're like, this thing sucks. But then uh, it's also fun. Yes. Uh, At least the book is. Fleetwood is in it. Yeah. And the book is not fun. Emphatically not so. Right. Are the new dollars? New bucks. (laughs) New bucks. And uh, Mike. Uh, I went with road work. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm not going to get into a book after 50 pages, I, it's not going to happen. Bad. So, you know, it's going to be the work. worst. But that ending for The Running Man is still one of the most baffling things ever. I just, I, I as I'm reading it, I, I stopped and had to just look at each section and be like, this is actually happening. Well, what made like, it worse is that countdown. Yes. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, there's still like 40 sub chapters <laughs> left. There's yeah. 28 sub chapters left. There's 20, it, like, yeah. It's so, bad. Yeah. Well, that was exciting. Mel, I'm going to send you this text with the result. Oh, I so see. So let's imagine that you're opening the envelope. Got, you ready? Yeah. Here it comes. Mm-hmm. You've opened the envelope. Okay. <laughs> Crinkle that Here one. It, came, it came right. Oh, there we ah, go. Nice. Yeah. Foley work. All right. Um, well, it looks like I can't get through to I-95 because there's some road work. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mel, does the I-95 cut through Missouri? <laughs> hey, Justin, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Uh, wow, that was an exhaustive uh, breakdown. It's Would you time- like to know the percentages of this? Oh, yeah, we got to get percentages. <laughs> yes, let's do the percentages. Uh, um, Is this like 95%? An incredible, a robust 80, 80%. 80%, wow. 80%. 80 for the 80s. Uh, 15% for the running man and 5% for thinner. So there you go. Over Well over 100 results for this category, too. Uh, spoiler for future category. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you say well over 100. Wow, that I'm in admiration of yeah. our listeners. Well, the, the negative ones, we didn't get as much. But for the positive ones, we got uh, a few hundred, I believe it was. We have a positive listenership. They're here for yes. the hits, not for the duds. Not for the, not for the dicks. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on. Uh, we're talking about the worst novella. Here's our nominees, the Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. At Pupil, The Body, The Breathing Method, and The Mist. 
I missed. And so, you have uh, the envelope for this one, Justin, I believe, right? I won't have the envelope for any of these, but I'll kick it off if I can. I will say that many of the responses I got um, through the survey and also just from social media was that there really isn't a bad novella. Agreed. A lot of people feel like there's, there's a least favorite, I think. But, a lot, but I'm saying a lot of people actually liked, at least liked all five. They didn't, yeah. there, there was no John Rainbird in this category. <laughs> no, like, I wouldn't I say that. Although the I do. The ballad of John Rainbird. Yeah, true, true, true. Justo, do you want to start this? Uh, I guess my least favorite would probably be, I guess, The Breathing Method, which mm. I still enjoy. Yeah. Um, I especially love the whole Stevens Library, The yeah. Club. I yeah. love that a lot. And I, I like the short story within. But I guess of the other, but if you have to compare it to the other stories in different seasons and the mist, it's for me, it's the breathing method. The breathing method. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Although I don't really love the short story within it, it's okay. Yeah. But I'm so much more interested in the world beyond that, yeah. and it's it's to me some of King's like honestly some of his most evocative writing mm-hmm. is in that section, and I adore it. But yeah, it's like as a piece on its own, it just doesn't stand up to like the other four on that list. Um, you know, they really tell memorable, uh, really like well-drawn stories. So yeah. So Mel, how about you? Well, here's my problem. I haven't read The Breathing Method, ah. but, I, but I've read all the other ones and I like them. So just, I put down The Breathing Method because I just don't think it would match up, but maybe that's not fair. I don't know. If you can't choose The Breathing Method, what do you choose? Ooh. Um, so the other options are The Body, Apt Pupil, Rita Hayworth, and The Mist, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh my God, probably apt pupil just for like subject matter alone. I, I think, I think, but it's a tough call. I think that's a good novella. Like I was, I was engaged. Um, and I think King does a really good job with his fascination with the, I think the protagonist refers to it as like the yucky stuff or whatever. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it's, it's a tough call. Um, I put down the breathing method because, because I know it, it's probably going to be the most popular <laughs> answer. Word, word. So, yeah. Uh, Mike. Uh, I put down App Pupil. I read all all of them, and uh, I thought that App Pupil went on a little uh, too long, or to quote our uh, boy Billy Crystal, went too far. You went too far. (laughs) Just went too long. Yeah. I mean, I I remember reading it and being like, this is still going on. Like, when are they going to get to some sort of oomph, like some sort of revolution? Oh, that ending, though. Yeah. It's a great ending, but it it felt like three summers had gone by 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 the time they got there, and I just... I wanted it to be a little more cohesive and a little tighter. And I also um, didn't really like being in that world. So that it's very unpleasant, I, admittedly. Yeah, it's, very it's, not, it's not a fun read. No, no. <laughs> it's upsetting. So, yeah, that's our answers. Justo, is it time to open the envelope? Um, I think Mad Mike. Oh, Mad no, Mike's no, got the I have, envelope. I have a oh. short story. Who has uh, the fourth oh envelope? Oh, my God, I have it. Oh. oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Let's open this. I think it's going to be a real shocker and upset. Oh, uh, definitely. Here. You're not going to believe it. Let's see what we got. We got The Breathing Method. Wow. Voted the worst novella. That must mean it sucks. <laughs> Yeah, and that's too bad because... Gerberlytics? The Breathing Method with a 67%. Whoa, that's lower than I thought. And 22% at people. Wow. How about that? There you go. Did anybody vote for The Mist? 7%. Wow. And then less than 1% for The Body and less than 2% for Rita Hayworth. Wow. Here's the thing about The Body, though, is that 
I think that there is a nostalgia that's laced to that story because there are actually some parts of that that are kind of weak as well. Oh, like yeah. All the long, short stories of Gordy's are it's like awful. kind of insufferable to get through, even if they are important to the short but story. But I still think compared to the other ones. Oh, I agree. 100%. I mean, that's why I wouldn't have shown as in it. But I could see why some people would be like, meh. You know, Word. But All right, well, let's go to next the envelope category. number four. No, it's uh, number two. It is worst short story. This is good. Okay. This is good. I chose Here There Be Tigers. Interesting. Boo. I also hate that story. I hated it. And yeah. I remember us talking about it almost a year ago. I think it was a year ago when we were recording that. Um, and I just thought the, the ending is just lame. It's ridiculous. Well, as we learned in the Dark Half movie, uh, it was one of Thad Beaumont's first short stories. Mm. Here There Be Tigers was written in the movie. Oh, that's interesting. God damn you. <laughs> Tigers is not worse than Big Wheels, A Tale of the Laundry Game, Milkman yeah. number two. I would agree with that. That's mine. That is by far the worst, although it's that's such an easy choice that I kind of want to say the monkey. I almost chose the monkey also. The monkey is awful. Yeah. The monkey is not good. I mean, look, the, the problem, when you compare the stories of Skeleton Crew to Night Shift, it's, oh my God. Unbelievable. It was so tough to think of like, the worst ones for Night Shift, where it's tough to think of the best ones for, for Skeleton Crew. Justo is your choice, Big Wheels. It's got to be Big Wheels. It's a <laughs> boring wheels. choice, on, but Jared. that is so... And it's a sequel. It's a quote-unquote sequel to a, a very short, unforgettable short story I'll, also. I'll fully admit that I totally forgot about that short story, and now that I remember it, might actually change my option, but yeah. I'm going to stick with the Tigers. Stick with Tigers. I'm sticking with the Tigers. Big Mama's House, A Tale of the Laundry Game. Uh, Mal, your Mama least too. favorite short story <laughs> of the theaters. 80s. Uh, that would be Big Wheels, A Tale of the Laundry Game, Milkman number two. Although Tigers was a close second, and Kane Rose Up was also a close oh, second. Oh, yeah, yeah, Kane, Kane Rose Up is all That's also pedestrian, too. Adam yeah. did not raise a cane. I am very excited to see what the listeners had to say about this one. You know, we've had such a great listenership over the last two and a half years. Is it any surprise that with 26% of the vote, Big Wheels, A Tale of the Laundry Game, <laughs> Milkman number two, is the worst for the listeners. Number two... Mike Rothman, cue the dashboard confessional vindicated. 15%. Here there be tigers. Good. And I'm sorry I announced that when you were supposed to announce it. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. I I'm did so that. I did that. Now. I'm so I did off. this. I did this. Oh, you did that. Okay, good, good, good. Sorry, sorry. We're good. I stole, I stole hey, Mike's look, thunder. Look. These envelopes are five feet across for those of I you know. know. So I think that is huge, a huge upset. <laughs> <laughs> The people are already talking about this. People are talking about this. So, Justin, what is the next category? This is exciting. Ooh. Well, first of all, we're getting, we're getting to the end now. It's the last of the, of the worst. Yeah. This is the end. Yeah. The big one. <laughs> Not the big wheels. <laughs> the big one. The big one. Worst novel of the 80s. Holy shit. Now, this includes not just the Stephen King works, but also it does include the Richard Bachman books. So, But we'll break it down. So keep that in mind. Wait, so this inc- wait, this doesn't include this, this does include the oh, Bachman books. But we Bachman already books. voted for the worst Bachman book. Well that could be the right. maybe there's a Stephen King book worse than real work. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> I'll be intrigued to hear that. Don't worry, I can also tell you what, what people thought the worst quote unquote king book was. Good too, to so, know. But anyway. Uh who should kick this off? Uh Mel, do you want to kick this off? I'll kick it off because I'm gonna be I'm gonna do the grand reveal. Mm. Um my pick for best novel, you might be surprised to hear, is Road Work. Oh Road Work. That's <laughs> where. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, I, it's so tough. Um, you know, I hate the Tommyknockers, but it's real work. Real work is, is awful. And, it, and it's too bad because I, was one, I think that might have been the first book we read on this podcast that I had never read before, so I was really looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, really let me down. 
Yeah, it's uh, does just roll up my sleeves like Springsteen mm. and uh, pick some road work. <laughs> I'm running towards the opposite option, ah, ben. which is the <laughs> Ben. <laughs> I still forget that's the guy's name. Uh, uh, ben, the Running Man uh, mm. is my least favorite. It is to me an unreadable uh, piece of garbage that is totally inconsistent, and I don't like the main character. Uh, Dawes, what can I say? I relate to the guy. <laughs> It's because you're 57. <laughs> I am the ultimate boomer. Uh, so I think this is going to be a big reveal. I'm excited for Mel to read it to us. Well, Mel, I just telepathically sent the answer to that envelope in front of you. Just it's a magic trick. Price Waterhouse Coopers has yes. sent it over. Um, here we go. Mm. Make sure nobody sees it. Yes, please. Um, yeah, Watson, go away. <laughs> <laughs> Love Watson. Yeah, still, I'm still stuck uh, on, this tur- on this goddamn turnpike. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be road work. Hey! Hey! Wow, road now, work! Break the, down uh, the the Gerberlytics. We need Gerberlytics on oh, this, this one. This is exciting. I say ex- this is as exciting as this episode is gonna get. Yeah, forty-seven percent for road work. Wow, Ooh. followed by nineteen percent. Stephen King favorite number. Oh yeah, the Tommy Knockers. Ooh. So Tommy Knockers is the least favorite, quote unquote, King. Least favorite Bachman, as we established, is still uh, road work. Road work, wow. baby. Oh well. Good to know. Well, uh, what was next? As oh, Running we, Man was number at number three with nine percent. Makes sense. Uh, as we take a break before we move on to the best of King of the 80s, which we know you're looking forward to. Uh, just in the spirit of the event, we've got some Oscar trivia to share. Oh, this so, is unplanned and exciting. Ooh, I love Oscar trivia. Let's see. The oldest actor to win the Oscar for best actor was Henry Fonda. Oh. From Golden Pond. On Golden Pond in 1982. I actually was, knew that. <laughs> he was 76. Uh, not very good trivia then. Um, the grandfather to uh, I think Wasn't Don Bridget Amici Fonda. the oldest to ever win an Oscar, though? Don't see Amici on the list. Oh. I think you're wrong. <laughs> uh, three movies have tied for the most Oscar nominations. They are Titanic, uh-huh. All About Eve, 1951, wow. and La La Land, one of Mike's favorites. Love, That's love right. that movie. That's right. 2017. Love La La Land. Uh, the three movies that won the most Oscars were Lord of the Rings, Return of the King from 2003. Whoops. Titanic, 1997. Love Titanic. Whoops. And uh, a little movie I like to call Ben-Hur from 1959. Maybe you've heard of it. Ben! Best of the lot. One more little piece of trivia for you. Uh, the youngest person to win a, or the youngest actress to win a standard Oscar was Tatum O'Neill. Oh, yes. She was 10 years old when she won the Best Supporting Actress Award for Paper Moon. Moon hey, there's some uh, King's Dominion on that because uh, she'll be appearing in Tom Holland's next film this oh. summer. Yeah, uh, Rock, Paper, Scissors, I believe. So, oh, hell yeah. Which uh, Tom Holland directed uh, the adaptation of... Uh, thinner and, of course, what we're covering next month, mm-hmm. The Langoliers. The Langoliers. Spooky. Oh. So, let's begin with the best of... The 80s of King. We are starting off with Justo. We are starting off with the tastiest bit of pound cake. Of course, I will make sure to that we telepathically read. send this to Mel. It's true. I'm so, so excited. Get the great and, and reveal. On. Mel, um, please. Or is Mel going to start? Yeah, Mel, you start. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I think I think Mike and I will have the same answer to this. I if think I so. Can, if I can be so bold. Yep. Um it's the lovely, intimate, vulnerable, compassionate, sympathetic hand job in the bathtub Ooh. from Pet Cemetery. <laughs> it's a tasty one. It's a tasty treat. <laughs> let me let me just make sure. Yep, bathtub hand job. That's uh, 
<laughs> my and notes it's bathtub hand job. Bathtub hand job. One of my favorite Disney films. Yeah, it's a great um, one. And he goes, where did you learn that? And she says, Girl Scouts. <sighs> Just, it. it was so hot. Um, it's it's got to be bathtub hand job. But I will really? also say, ah! I will also argue for like the Bill and Bev scene. Oh, and the it, sex? They're, they're, they're adult sex. They're adult sex, might I add. Okay. And a lot of the real work stuff is pretty brutal too. You know, that's pretty, some pretty bad stuff as well. Uh, I've, mine is also from Pet Cemetery, but I've got two that, uh, as much as I love bathtub, um, I feel like, Mike, you, you liked that. You enjoyed that's, that. Oh, yeah, that's no, what that's, tastiest is. that's what tastiest. Yeah. So yeah, for me, like the tastiest is, is also the most rancid. Yeah. Uh, wow. But I've got a couple that, that I thought were uh, particularly funny, and I still laugh when I revisit them, and they're both from Pet Cemetery Because I think it's the juxtaposition of that I find this to be the spookiest book, and so when there is pound cake, it's memorable yeah. and, and bizarre. I think I know it's a release. It's a release. Well, this one I love just because it's the way that King, like he writes it like it's like a softcore porn. Mm-hmm. So at last their kiss broke, and he asked her a bit hoarsely, are you for dinner? <laughs> and she said, dessert, she said, and then began to rotate her lower body slowly and sensuously against his groin and abdomen. But I promise you, you don't have to eat anything you don't like. I think that leads into the bathtub. too. I think it does. But yeah. I love like him. I love the addition that he said it hoarsely. Ugh. I well, just imagine call- like Mr. Ed. Well, the very end is a callback because didn't she say, oh, darling, uh, hoarsely mm-hmm. as well? Darling. Or gra- gravelly? Are you for dinner? Um, so I have another one that makes me laugh because it's in the middle of a very, in my opinion, like, like a fairly thoughtful moment in the Mm -hmm. book. Like they're, they're, they're having sex, but he's like thinking about the world and everything. And then right in the middle, King adds a little bit of little tasty crumb of pound cake. Uh, he, he and Rachel went up the stairs together. Lewis put his arm around her waist and loved her the best he could. But even as he entered into her hard and erect, he was listening to the winter wine outside the front traced windows. So I just love mm. the addition of hard and erect. Isn't it kind of Yeah, one, one out of two is not going to get it done. It's true. You got to have both. I know. It do, the redundancy makes me laugh, but it also reminds me of one of my favorite lines from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, uh, the mm. great BBC comedy, when he's describing, he's like, nobody knows how to write sex scenes anymore. Uh, it's all just about, you know, he says something about like, there's no imagine, imagination to it. He goes, what happened to language like... He glided into her liquid smooth. <laughs> like oh, God. Just, I know, but it's like, it reminds me of like the best of King Pound Cake, like that whole section. So those are those are my two tastiest bits so, of So it's, it sounds like we had very different interpretations of what well, the it's word funny, tastiest. Mel, it's funny because I feel that listeners felt the same way because I would get responses that made sense and responses that didn't make sense to me, but I can see where, where listeners were getting from. But when I break it down... Um, we'll, we'll discuss that. I guess further. for me, I look at it like, you know, I'm not coming to, I'm not eating pound cake to get horny. I'm yeah. doing it to laugh. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Honestly, so, yeah. That so, was a big disagreement we had in Pet Cemetery Cause I thought that scene was kind of goofy, the, the bathtub scene. Yeah. And whereas mm-hmm. Mike, and I think Mel thought it was actually like we're romantic. Like, yeah. well, I like the, for awful. me, I like, I think the hand job is good. I think the <laughs> is that your tombstone? Uh, I think the it hand is. Job is good. <laughs> I, it's the lead I in agree. that made me laugh. So, uh, so yeah, the best pound cakes are the ones that uh, you know they make me chuckle as the crumbs uh, get stuck in my beard. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I yep. do remember though, if we're gonna if we're gonna do 
tastiest as in most laughable. Like some Justin, you mentioned road work, like all the names for his dick, oh, like geez. rock of the ages. Oh boy. Is, they just timestamp the early eighties, you know, you know what part I always remember from Cujo too, even though this isn't like, I don't know. I actually think it works because it's, it's so gross and disrespectful, but like when, what? semen everywhere yeah when he yeah. blows his load everywhere all it's over the so house gross. it's yeah. so gross and mean and like it, i remember it made me really uncomfortable when i was a kid and i read it um and like i just it, imagine just like ah! <laughs> <laughs> just like angry just like ah! i only got a short amount of time in here before they come home ah! <laughs> nothing I, uh, nothing tasty about that no yeah. nothing but it's so, funny so uh, I think it's time to read Mel, the tastiest pound cake. What was the listener's response? Wow, Mel, I am uh, once again. It's it's. Just I feel like I feel like really hard. I feel like Charlie's. I feel like Charlie's dad and Firestarter. I'm getting like nosebleeds trying yeah. to telepathically send this to you. <laughs> it works though. Yeah, good job. Yeah. Who also gets nosebleeds when they're doing tele- telepathy? Who? Uh, Eleven from Stranger Things. Wow, where do they get that idea from? I don't. I, know. I don't know what that is. You know who else does? <laughs> Me. Oh, got to left try. Uh, Sorry, I got blood all over this microphone. Let me uh, wipe it off. I'm bleeding as I record. When you get a nosebleed, what is your remedy for it? Uh, tissues and stop crying about it. Oh. <laughs> stop crying <laughs> about it. Stop crying. <laughs> Mel, it's been sent. My blood is all over the, the, the microphone. <laughs> My blood. Stop oh. being a baby about it. <laughs> this is a great text from Justin that says, bathtub fun, bathtub emoji. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So wow the, the, everyone yeah. agreed. Yeah, everybody agreed. But um, I got to hear the, the Gerber lyrics so what, on this one. For, I, I should say this. Uh, for Tastiest Pound Cake... It was left to the viewers to write in. There were no, there were no, there was nothing to choose from. So we got about a hundred results for this, and forty-six people said bathtub fun. Wow, which is about two thirds. Did, did they use the phrase bathtub fun? I love it. It's not quite two thirds. <laughs> I should say it's a hundred. No, but basically there were variations of like hand job in the bathtub, or you know, when she grabs his penis, she grabs, and he's taking a bath. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's very like Lewis and Rachel getting it on in the bathtub. Hand job, hand job. Hand, there's a bunch. I don't think I've written hand job down that much in my life. <laughs> Lord knows um, I have. And then, and then um, number two, this is what I was talking about: ritual of Chud. Ah, which isn't, which is what I guess how people think of pound cake is just like inappropriate sex. Sure. But for me, it's having a fun time with it. I, I don't have a lot of fun reading about the ritual. Yeah, show. I don't think there was anything fun about that one. And then adult Bill and Bev hooking up was uh, number three. Oh, wow. Well, pretty cool. And I also broke down for the losers later on. Maybe I'll post this later. Um, literally every answer that everybody gave and how many votes it got. So it's, Very it's, cool. it's pretty fun to break it down and to, to figure this all out. Very cool. Were there, were there any memorable outliers? Like someone that was like, God, I was so fucking into this scene. Um, you were like, what are you talking work. about? Like there's a couple that... I think the missed grocery store sex got only got a couple votes. Um, a couple good ones were about like the, the alien genitalia description and Tommy Knockers, oh, which yeah. I think actually do work oh, yeah. a lot. Yeah, There's a good, I was going with that memory lane compiling all these. I'll put it that way. Yeah, there was some good pound cake in, in Tinox, I remember. Oh, Eyes of the Dragon has a really good one where King Roland says he needed his, uh, his iron needs his, her forge. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. That kind of uh, pound cake is always fun to read. Uh, even though my eyes are rolling into the back of my head, I'm reading the next category, which is the scariest moment. Do you have that envelope? Right? I do have that ah. envelope and I'm very excited to talk about it. So I'm going to kick things off. And um, at the risk of being repetitive, mine comes from Pet Cemetery, which Ditto. to me was the scariest uh, book that I think I read. Now, this could include, by the these. way. 
novellas, short stories, and novels. Yeah, all I've, of it. Well, here I'll start with like my runner-ups, which are from it. I, I find it to be a very effective uh, horror novel, and I think the sections that really work for me, I've actually refer- I referenced them when we were talking about the it trailer. And I don't know why I've I, I've talked about this phenomenon, this type of scare in previous episodes, but I think when King sort of has somebody witness a, a picture and the picture comes to life in a very like perverted yeah. way uh, because we definitely see uh, and this is true of Tommyknockers too in a section that the, the whole Becca Paulson scene but the idea of like a Christ painting coming to life and sort of perverting itself like wagging its tongue and stuff like that especially that, for you with religious implications yeah religious stuff it, 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 it cuts into my past a little bit and it's just to me but then it also is like I remember there's a uh, a, be, a bit in it when I believe it's Bill or maybe it's Richie sees like a porno mag in the basement of um, the Kneebolt Street house and the woman on the cover ends up being Mrs. Kirsch and she like winks at him mm. and it's really unnerving like to me or like a- Randall, I remember on our, on our Souls Midnight episode about aliens I will never forget this a very specific Randall fear was an episode of of an old show and you were like god it was so scary there's this man and he turns around and he has an alien face yes that's from unsolved mysteries that i still i'm so scared of that he has an alien face and i screamed when i saw that when i was you were very grave when you said the phrase alien face alien face now I, I I'm still scared of alien faces, so I'm gonna own that. But so so I'm gonna say those are the runner ups or those moments in it because they still resound with me. They still freak me out. Um, they're still on my mind. So, but um, I've got a couple here from. Well, I'll just read one. But like, uh, and this seems this might seem like a little out of place, but I'm always scared of the unknown. I'm scared of like people. How do I phrase Man, this? I want, I'm Alien face. The same one. I don't right. know if it is though. It's like I have a lot that freaks me out. Like the whole section, the whole scene when Lewis is walking through um, the woods to bury Ellie. Yeah. That whole scene. Wait, you engage. Oh, Gage, my bad. Oh, sorry, God. the movies. Dennis like, Whitmire and Kevin Colesco. I know, they're getting yeah. in my fucking head. Um, no, when he's going to bury Gage, that whole yeah. sequence to me yes. is extremely effective. Yeah, like, I agree. Like all of the, the, like hearing the Wendigo in the distance, the face that manifests in front of him, all that stuff freaks me out. But it's this little speech from Judd that Judd gives him. The first time, like when they're going with church to the thing, it's because I'm I get so freaked out when people try or like in movies or like if somebody tries to tell you that what you're seeing or what you're hearing isn't um, isn't scary when it, is. it really is. Uh, so I just love this uh, is Judd saying you might see St. Elmo's fire, what the sailors call foo lights. It makes funny shapes, but it's nothing. If you should see some of those shapes and they bother you, just look the other way. You may hear sounds like voices, but they are the loons down south toward prospect. The sound carries. Mm. It's funny. Like that to me is is the kind of horror that really freaks me out. Like the denial. It's when, yeah, it's like when when somebody looks you in the eyes and tells you that, you know, the ghosts aren't real, but you can hear them and see yeah. them. It's like that to me is like a very weird, unnerving kind of fear. And it's like when I was thinking about what really scared me, there's obviously a lot mm-hmm. of moments be, uh, that we've discussed over the the last year and a half to two years. And um, and but that's the one that sticks with me because there's just such a weird uncanny quality about it. So that's my answer. It's a good answer. 
I'm it's also in Pet Cemetery, um, mm. and that that actual scene, the walk on there, was in, in my long laundry list of scenes. Mm. But I have like a really two weird scenes, and one is one that I had falsely misidentified and miscon you know misconceived as something else. Um, and it's when they first move in, and oh, Lewis has a premonition. And I've always taken it to be that the house was haunted, and there is some sort of superfluous ghost that was there, and it just shows it just sets the tone. And really, it's what's happening is that Lewis is having some sort of foreshadowing premonition of everything that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's like a chill that runs through his spine. So for me, that scene, it just always kind of gives me the, the 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 chills just because it's like the evil's already there before any of the events have even started. Is and that when he opens the door and he feels something run by? It's when he tucks in Gage and he's yeah. like at the, the the top of the the um, the poster, the, um, the stairway in their house. Um, but the scene that really gets me... And I thought about this while going back through my Pet Cemetery notes uh, today is when nobody's home and Lewis is coming back from um, Judd's house and he's drunk and he's going through the garage and it's pitch black. And all of a sudden he just he's, he doesn't care at first. And then all of a sudden he has that that sobering moment of like somebody there, there might be something in here. And mm, I remember you, you never really you know, you never really. King never really shows what's in there or, or says that there's anything in there, but it's just that notion of like when you're in pitch black and you, you automatically have that realization and your body just wants to speed out of there as soon as possible. Damn. I think that's like the most pop, palpable feeling you could have. Cause we can all relate to that. Exactly. Yeah. You know? When he's also disoriented, right? He's like, I yeah. have no idea where anything is all of a sudden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he feels like he's in this, like a black abyss or something. So there, Mike, it's funny that your first one that you mentioned is a scariest moment, but really only on reread, right? Like when you can appreciate the stakes of that feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think for me it was more just like, when I first read the book years and years ago, I always took it as, especially when I just kind of go through it as fast as possible, that there was something else in the house already. And mm-hmm. it was separate from anything that happened in the pet cemetery and they never address it again. And for me, that scared the hell out of me. But, oh, even, you know, part and parcel to all these events is something that was already in the house. So I still like to believe that's that's kind of the case, even though it's not, you know, like that, mm. that, that there was that the Creed house was already haunted and it's you know well, that's the beauty the about the center. book and that scene is that it it could be it's yeah. never said it's not yeah you know it just doesn't necessarily and go back to it and it's something honestly that they kind of hint at with the 2016 or 2016 this year's remake when he's down in the basement and, and there's just kind of like stillness to the garage scene mm-hmm. um and it kind of called back to that but yeah i mean pet cemetery for me is just always gonna scare the hell out of me mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. uh mel why don't you go well, um, I, I do think that Pet Cemetery is is probably the most disturbing book and the one that I think maintains a level of scariness throughout. But I don't know if any of you remember, there is one book that we read from the 80s that I said, this is the first and only book that I, I literally kept having to put down because it, it find it, I found it so upsetting and suspenseful and terrifying. Uh, which one was The Tommyknockers. Is it no. The Knocks? <laughs> oh, is what? it Misery? It's misery. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, I think I choose the moment. It's hard. I think, I think the amputation scene is, is fucking brutal for me. As we know from the Don Smacabre episode, that's one of my biggest fears is, is a forced surgery that you don't consent to and that you're awake during. Um, but I think even after that, when he knows the lengths to which she's willing to go anytime he fucks up or she catches him, it's so scary. Yeah. Um, because you know that there's just no escape. He's totally humiliated and helpless. 
And I feel like that's a theme to my nightmares and like just knowing that there's no way out of a situation that you're mm-hmm. just going to have to like take your medicine to reference another King book. Um, so that one really, uh, really got me. It really, I think that the sensation of helplessness was very palpable for me reading that book. No, I, I agree with you, Mel. Like that was actually one I circled around. I mean, if I wasn't such a, you know, pet cemetery, pet cemetery stan, I would, you know, would have probably thought about that as well. But the tension in that book and just the consequences that King are able to, you know, is able to wire in every bit of the proceedings. Like I, I feel so much anxiety in every page of that book. Um, right. you know, and, and the scene where she maybe try, gets hit, puts his thumb on the cake, like, Oh yeah. It's just, uh. oh, yeah that's yeah. so good. I remember that. I have some very positive things to say about Mr. Bill. I'll save it for a couple of categories from now. Um, how about this one? Well, for me, it's funny cause I, I often struggle with, um, you know, like when we read certain books, I'm like, well, I think I read that when I was in college or maybe I read that when I was a teenager, but uh, I'd like to name two moments if I could real briefly. I remember the first time I read the Tommy knockers, actually, you know, I could believe I'm actually <laughs> no. going here. And I remember being in bed when when that (laughs) Coke machine exploded, when Bobby's sister was introduced, a chill went down my spine. No, um, I remember being in bed. I had a roommate. He had a top bunk. I had a bottom bunk. I remember reading the Tommyknockers and it's near the end of the book where the two people were really losing it because they've been out of town too long. They're coming back and they see a clown in the sewer with, with stars in its eyes and it's Pennywise. That scared the hell out of me when, mm-hmm. I, when I read that for the first time because it's had you so, read it. I had read it by that point. Yeah, okay. I, I was very well familiar. I was familiar with it just from the miniseries growing up too. That it was one of those things where you read it and you have to go back just for a second to reread it to make sure you're that is exactly what they're indicating and it's supposed to be Pennywise. And I remember even now it's still as much as I don't like that book. I mean it's it's still a really great little scene there for everybody. Uh, but and you don't second, really like Easter eggs usually. I don't, uh, but yeah. that, but it's a Stephen King universe. So I think yeah. like it's all in there, you yeah. know, but I really love that moment because if you haven't read it, if you're not familiar with it, you're just going to think they're having crazy delusions. That's the thing about it. Yeah. But it really is Pennywise. there waving at them as they leave Oof. Derry. It's really unsettling. But for me, the other scene I can remember reading, I was uh, working at a hotel. We were allowed to read during downtime. So I remember sitting down and reading this book and getting chills and reading the end of the jaunt. Ah, and Mm. that final page, which I enjoy the story a lot. And, but that final page, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum on that skeleton Mm -hmm. crew episode, but that ending is still just absolutely horrifying to me. And it's involving like children and the idea of that eternity that is the jaunt and, and experiencing that freaks me out. You know, the the vastness Mm -hmm. of space freaks me out. The, like that type of thing really bothers me. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that would probably be my number one. So. There we go. Nice. A good choice. Those no. are all good choices. All very good choices. Time to see what the listeners had to say. Ooh. I'm opening it. Oh, wow. There's a lot of uh, scribbles on this. <laughs> Let's see here. All right. Scariest moment. It's a tie. You guys ready for this? Yeah. They're both from pet. Wait, no. Oh, it's a three-way tie. Wow. Three-way tie. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, two of them are pe- from Pet Cemetery. One is from It. Here is the first one listed here. Lewis digs up Gage and yep. takes him to the burial ground. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so, so fucking scary. I think, yeah, you mentioned that, yeah. That's, yeah. It's, that whole sequence is yeah. great. I agree. Yeah, I mean, one. just the digging up, too, is, yeah. is fucking disturbing and so well written. Uh, from It, Georgie meets Pennywise. Iconic, you know. I love disturbing. it. Very good. Very Sets good. Sets everything up. Uh, and... 
from Pet Cemetery, uh, maybe something that maybe filmmakers Dennis Widmeyer and Kevin Cole <laughs> should have taken into consideration when gauge attacks. Yeah, the gauge attacks in, in there. Yeah, and so, I, had that in I mean, obviously the they end. work better in the book than on the screen. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> tough to convey that. And uh, I will say, though, just behind that, another tie Ooh. for fourth and fifth place, I guess, the giant climax. Wow. And the death of Patrick Hockstetter, that whole sequence. Oh, yeah. The flying leeches. Yes. That whole, that whole chapter, that moment. One of his, latches on his eyeball, oh. sucks it dry. One mm. blows up in his mouth. And the hobbling was in there, too. The hobbling. I mean, there's a, oh, there were it's Stephen King. So, I mean, so I'm not kidding. The there pulse. are well over a page worth of, of answers, different answers. It's just wild that we were like you know? all pretty much in that same vein. Yeah. You know? any, any weird outliers? Um, oh, there's some pretty good ones here, some though. Some Dawes. A couple, a couple with <laughs> some me. Some Martin Dawes. A couple, a couple with me involved. Oh, wow. But these are pretty funny. These are pretty funny. Bring it. Uh, when Justo gave Tommyknockers a zero. <laughs> ah! Hell yeah. They said Justo, which I appreciate. That's well, good. I, I like Justo. And, um, and I'm, I'm literally, I did not write that. I think Randall said. No, I swear I know you didn't. didn't. I know you didn't. Um, and the other one was, this is very funny. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of Justin Gerber's jokes shook me to my core. Maybe question if there really was a God. <laughs> Very funny. I thought that was good stuff. Um, I want to know what the jokes were. There were uh, just oh, I, I probably did five bad jokes this episode alone. Um, I bet we broke some people. But with I will the, say, uh, I, like, I think I might um, post all these just to remind people. Of, I mean, there was no joke. There were over 20 moments that people had from it. Wow. And that's Come not even. Um, there was also book. a bunch for Tom. There was some great for Pet Cemetery in there. Oh, we got Cujo in the Watson, background over there. Watson agrees. <laughs> He's Mal. upset because Cujo didn't win. Cujo's mad. They he still got a win. chance to win best villain. <laughs> and I will say the Raft got some shout outs too because there's some horrifying. Yeah, oh, yeah, the Raft. The Raft is fucking brutal. I was uh, swimming around the Raft. A great decade for Stephen King and, and Scares. No Cujo, it's okay, buddy. Cooj. We've got the sorry. shots for your, <laughs> your rabies. <laughs> okay. gonna, everything's going to be fine. I was going to say, that's what uh, that's Mel's specialty. But no. I'm just, <laughs> oh, God. God. Justo, is it time to talk about the best protagonist? It sure is. Boom, Who's got the envelope? Boom, 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 uh, boom. I do. Ooh. Hell yeah. Why don't you start? Michael Stephen King Rothman. Michael <laughs> Stephen King Rothman. Um, you know, it, there are a lot of great protagonists that we've had throughout mm. the 80s. Um, I think we've seen Sonny Crockett. Uh, you know, we, Daniel Indiana LaRusso, Jones, Indiana Jones, Han Solo, um, but <laughs> none of them compare to the boys and girls of Derry. Losers, yeah, the Losers Club. I mean, it's it's impossible to to really consider any other ones when I mean our namesake is the Losers Club. It just felt right. But even beyond that, like you could tell King took so much time in carving out each one of these characters and there really isn't like a weak link in all of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, that's pretty powerful. So for me, it's, it's gotta be them. The old, especially losers. in the novel, which we're talking about. Yeah. Today, no, I mean, in this case, they're the, the, the winners, the, indivi- ah. the individual winners, <laughs> ah, the inverse, I think. Mal, how about you? Uh, it's the losers. I mean, to pull off a book with seven protagonists, all of which have their respective, quirks that make them beloved it is quite a feat i think it should not go unrecognized we are sending physical award like 14 physical awards <laughs> to stephen king's house i'm sure that are engraved oh, the postal with service the winners of the furious. categories yeah yeah um, um yeah it's the losers i'm gonna break uh from uh the ooh, role here ooh. to say 
Paul Sheldon from Misery. Ah, that is yep. That's a great. Yeah, he's one. a he, great. I, he, I would argue the best writer character that he's sure. You know, yeah. yeah. I think for me, it's being so hyper. Um, you know, so hyper focused on on sort of his collapsed mental state and the way that we see him so debased and humiliated. But we, like we we see him as the confident, successful writer that he is, and to watch a character uh, be debased in such a sense and to be sent in such a, a spiral and and a paralysis of fear. To me, the journey you take with him is is really harrowing and really terrifying and even you, with the uh, africa bits yeah even with those especially even with those. <laughs> no and i think that for me it's like i've barely i've i you know even if he's not the most likable character and that was a whole conversation on that episode was like is paul likable like is he a character we want to spend time with like it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. you're rooting for him because he's trapped in such a fucking horrible situation and the pain and the mental anguish that he's going through, it sort of transcends like ability. Like nobody should be subjected to what he's doing mm-hmm. and being in, that invested in somebody surviving. Like if he died at the end of that book, I would mm. be furious. Like, I think you could tell a complicated, I mean, you can tell a great story about complicated characters. Yeah. Like the issue is we're talking about is somebody like likable to a point, but the problem with, you know, of course, our good friend George Barton Dawes is that he's not likable, <laughs> but he's also not interesting. He's also not and that's, interesting. And that's, that's a brutal. Yeah. And I think uh, that's a it, Paul Sheldon's a great example of a character not necessarily being likable, but being investable and like interesting and is part of a journey that I want to see through and that I want to see him come out the other end. And, and the fact and that you spend 99 percent of the book with him in bed. Yeah. He's still compelling. the. It's, it's compelling. a great feeling, honestly, when you're invested in a character's fate. Because um, honestly, I find myself not feeling that way like a lot when I watch horror or when I watch other things. I'm just kind of like, yeah, if they died, it would be whatever. But uh, when I like so it's always very thrilling to me when I'm really rooting for a character to make it to the end. So that's why I choose Paul. Although, hey, I love those losers. Well, speaking of the losers, there are some great protagonists from this decade or at least just lead characters who are not the bad guy, essentially. It's the losers for me, too. Mm-hmm. To be fair, though, we were going to call this podcast by a different name, but a certain band was going to sue us. We were going to call ourselves Dawes, a Stephen King podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but they came at us. Uh, they came at us hard. What can well, I say? That's know, been I said really a million times. to be the Tommyknockers. What if it was just the straight up, the Tommyknockers, no joke about the spelling, <laughs> the, the T-Nox, or T-Nox, T-Nox. that was, I think, Max. What bit. if we called ourselves Jack Sawyer, a Stephen King podcast? Hey, hey Jack Sawyer, not to be confused with Tom Sawyer, a Stephen funny, King podcast. It's funny, I was thinking about when I was, you know, going through sort of what I wanted to choose, I'm like, I don't think I have the talisman for any of these, but it feels like it should be recognized in a weird way because it is such a weird achievement. But that speaks to the... Um, to the the amount of greatness that King produced in the eighties, mm. this so. was it couldn't be Pennywise movie. either. That would also cause us to be sued by a band. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, so a, a great band of the, of the old nineties. So Justo says the losers, and I think yeah. it's time to read who the losers, the the, the loser I'm, audience picked. I, I, I have a feeling it's probably going to be uh, uh, you know, uh, Ben namesake, Richards. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, best protagonist, the losers. It. There you go. 1986. Once again, well over uh, uh, 260 votes yeah. for these. And well, hold on. Do you think they mean the losers from the book, or do you think they mean, like, us? <laughs> oh. I unfortunately I think, I I unfortunately just... did put in quotation marks it. I had to specify oh, okay. that we were not the greatest of them all, of course. Wow. Um, well, this is incredible, though. Despite all the – we've had a pretty good um, breakup of percentages. All those votes, 49% for wow. it. Um, 
in a distant, distant second, Roland, ah. mm-hmm. which makes sense. Not bad. It's popular. Actually, if you combine that with the first and second book, that would be uh, about 27% of the votes. So yeah. he had a good decade. Um, here's some controversy. I think in fifth place was Andy from Rita Hayworth, Mel. Uh-oh. Rita Hayworth, there you go. <laughs> but this is, people love the movie. I yeah, think I, I agree, agree 100%. I think even with some of these other categories when I was writing them down, um, literally people were mentioning things from, I think, It the Movie that were not in the book. Right. Yeah. So I think there's some chump, bleed over here. Move. Were you, uh, did anybody vote for Gardner? <laughs> did you? I did not, Mel. You motherfucker. I did not. <laughs> no, it would have been me. It would have been me. Well, I will say. 0.38% for John Gardner. <laughs> yes. Attaboy. Which, which equals one, by the way. One person, Villa for Gard. One person. And it wasn't me. I swear I, to God. I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to the next category. Justo. Oh, this is a good one. It's a good one, baby. Best villain. Best mm-hmm. villain. Uh, who has that envelope? Um, I Mag- don't. Michael Stephen King Rothman. Michael Stephen King Rothman, who is your favorite villain of the 80s? Tough one. I had a tie. Um, but I, you know, the first one's Cooge. Oh, oh I don't think you love Cooge. I, I, Watson, I like the book, that? but I <laughs> hear that Watson. Come on. We chose a dog finally. Um, yeah. I mean, it's one of the most iconic Stephen King villains of all oh. time. And, you know, it's, it's hard to do the whole, like, yeah, it's Jaws and, you know, X, Y, and Z or whatever. Yeah. And like, this really is like Jaws in the car. Like, you know, there's something inescapable about something so natural and every day as a dog. And mm-hmm. like the fact that he's able to kind of take something that we love and treat like a teddy bear on a day-to-day basis and turn it into just a fucking utter nightmare is great. And so for me, I'm, I'm Cujo is always something that's just going to st- stick in the back of my head. It's kind of like the, the one of the reasons why I think like Jaws is one of the scariest movies of all time, because whenever we go in the water, that's the first thing I'm going to think about. And whenever I go to, to a dog and there seems to be even the slightest bit of sort of like, you know, anger or aggression in his eyes, the first thing I think about is going to be like, oh, Cujo. Mm. And that's the, that's something powerful about that. Um, but in terms of like the best well-written villain, Annie Wilkes from Misery. Mm. For sure. I'm just going to tell you right now, I agree with you. I yeah. think it is Annie Wilkes, actually. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You want to talk about that, Justin? I just think it's like you said. I mean, we're, we're in one bedroom, essentially, this yeah. entire book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the phrase page turner gets used a lot, like, in the back of airplane, airport novels and stuff. But this book, for me, really was an absolute page turner. And it it's was. because of the relationship between Paul Sheldon and the absolute unpredictability of Annie Wilkes, who is not a monster. She's a human being. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying about Cujo, who's just a sick dog. Yeah. Who may hey, or may not be possessed by Frank. Rabies is the true villain dog, of know? that book. <laughs> Mel has too much of a firsthand uh, knowledge on that, too. Uh, yeah, Annie Wilkes Being is... possessed by Frank Dodd. <laughs> well, well, in addition to the rabies, of course. Right, okay. I believe this dog is possessed by that serial killer from but, five yeah, it, years again, ago. It's, it, and then to go also back to what you were saying about Paul and just um, and being in that environment... And just not knowing what you're dealing with from a moment by moment basis Mm -hmm. and not being able to do anything about it is horrifying. And so that's why Misery held my attention throughout. And that's such a a powerful villain for me, Annie Wilkes. And then I think growing up, and I don't think it's a a hot take. Everybody brace yourselves. Pennywise is also way up there. I mean, Pennywise also, if you take into consideration. You gotta choose one, you people. Come on. Well, yeah, I'm trying to break it up a little bit. You know, I'm trying to break it up a little bit. But yeah, so, but it's still, it's Annie Wilkes for me too. It's Annie Wilkes. Mel, 
uh, this basic bitch chose Pennywise. I mean, hey. he's fear personified. He will turn into, he could turn into Annie Wilkes. So, I mean, it's true. It's that's true. a great point. And he, and he, he would, if Paul Sheldon, if Paul Sheldon found Pennywise, Pennywise <laughs> would become Annie Wilkes. Maybe, so. we'll, maybe uh, it'll be Pennywise and Castle Rock season two. <laughs> maybe there'll be a sequel. Maybe there'll be, maybe we'll get misery too, T-O-O, and it's an encounter with Pennywise. Okay, but uh, to, be, to be honest, I do think he's well-written. I think he has a personality or, mm-hmm. or she or it, I think has a personality. It's not just a nameless, boring evil to the core type of thing. It's a cosmic evil, but it is an evil that has fears of its own and also is playful in a way that is creepy, um, that is sustained for the entire novel. And I, I do think Pennywise is as much of a character as Derry the town and as the losers. I think he is unique. Word. Uh, ready for a hot one? Go. Write in vote. Oh, I know what this is going to be. Do you understand why I couldn't put this person in? Yes. Okay. And I'm still writing a man. Go for it. It goes by the name of Henry Bowers. Oh, I knew it. No, I knew it's it. It's the Bauer Hour. It's Bauer, Bauer Hour, baby. Hour, man. There we go. <laughs> uh, just going to say, please timestamp the Bauer. Hour. <laughs> I like we're acting. Like, I like we're acting like we all hate Henry Bowers over I here. Know, I know. If you want to, if you want to hear my Bauer Hour, I think it's like what, like the second episode it's or the, the third episode, episode I think, yeah. of the of our It series. Uh, I think we literally talked about him. I talked about him for, for like, like forty five minutes, yeah, yeah. minutes or long, somewhere. It was good. So that's where the Bauer Hour is, and uh, I'll just say I'm a huge Henry Bowers fan. The bully archetype is is one of my favorite archetypes. I think he is one of King's most fully realized um, monsters, like human monsters. Uh, he is uh, he's like Annie Wilkes in the sense that he's a human who is um, who is evil. But I'm fascinated more by him because he is somebody who is who has a sadistic streak that is then exploited by Pennywise and used as a tool by Pennywise. Mm-hmm. And I think because my, my two favorite archetypes are the are the bully and the patsy. And uh, Henry Bowers is both, which is why I think I like him so much because he's he's a bully, but he also is used um, by a power that is much stronger and greater than him and ultimately suffers for it. Um, I'm still dissatisfied both in the book and the miniseries, and we'll see how it plays out in upcoming It Chapter 2 coming up September 6th. September 6th. And uh, when does it come out? Uh, well, it's after Labor Day. So <laughs> okay, sorry. We'll move on. Justin didn't, made a very unhappy face. No, no, I was doing a bit. Like, oh, I was you were part of the out. bit. Okay, I, I thought you were. Wait, 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 wait. I think I got it. Mike's looking up the calendar. Mel, hold on a second. Mike's looking up the calendar. I also want to so, know. All right, so we have the first Labor Day is on the second. It's, it's, it's a Friday. We know well, it's, it's a Friday. May, it's May now. Yeah, okay, it's May wait, now. Okay, it's May oh, now. All right, July let's 4. see. So wait, hold on. September is four months from May. <laughs> four months from May. So September okay. 2nd is Labor Day. Okay, cool. cool. And, okay, way, wake me up when September ends. <laughs> but but, well, but we'll have to wake you up before rains. it is. We yeah. know that. So I'm going to sleep. So it's, I believe it's the same day that uh, Roger Waters celebrates his birthday, which is uh, September 6th. September 6th, oh, of course. Oh, it's September Roger 6th. Waters' birthday. September 6th. Okay, we got that. Friday? No, we'll, we'll wake you up when September ends to watch it, chapter two. We'll tell you if it's worth watching. September so 6th. anyways, I'll just say that <laughs> I, I'm, I'm dissatisfied with the way Bowers' arc ends. I feel like he deserved a little bit better in the second half of it. But to the me, childhood stuff is great. To me, he's he's such a he's such a a tangible 
like vessel for evil and was for me a way for me to process a lot of shit that I was dealing with. And so, yeah, I, that's my, that's my write in answer. But if I, if I wasn't able to write in an answer, mm-hmm. um, I would probably say Annie Wilkes because, um, Annie waits, Annie waits to quote Ben Fold. Great song. Ben Fold. So, uh, it's time to read who the listener said. Oh, it's exciting. Mike Rothman with the envelope. This is a great bit, but this is paying off. Yeah, he's inside. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying the bit that I came up with is paying off. I'm the one saying it. And the winner is Tim Curry <laughs> Tim in Curry. 1990s It, Pennywise. <laughs> the winner is It is Pennywise. David Lynch here to uh, yeah. that's the winner. Yeah. An incredible 52%. Ooh, damn. 52% and followed by Annie Wilkes nice. with 23% of the votes. Well, here's so. the thing. There you go. It's not that surprising because no, no, no. I'm pretty sure even just this, the name of our podcast has brought in even just strictly it fans and yeah. not necessarily even Stephen King fans. Yeah. You know, even just by the idea of like, oh, the Losers Club, that's cool. Let me, let, let, let me yeah. Google that it or search sense. that. You think that's what our, our listeners sound no, like? No, I mean, in terms of bringing people <laughs> yeah, in, well, I of think. Course. <laughs> Again, because oh, I don't the think Losers Club. I don't, I'm just gonna. Type I love that the Losers Club. I actually think they sound like this. Oh, the the, the Losers Club. Uh, <laughs> You're I, speaking hoarsely, uh, like Lewis Creed does when he's horny. You're speaking like 57 year old Randall Colburn. <laughs> <laughs> I think they sound something like, uh, oh, the Losers Club. Yes, of course, I'll check that out. Oh, yeah, oh, that's, that's my our, uh, podcast. It's our uh, what Canadian audience? No, British audience. It's just yeah. that was my imitation of Stevens from the Breathing Method, underrated story oh. from different seasons. What was number three? <laughs> number three was. The Man in Black ah. from the Gunslinger. Oh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, 9%. <laughs> specifically Matthew McConaughey <laughs> in the Matthew Dark Tower movie. Did anybody say Cooch? Oh, uh, 2% said Cooch. Oh, my okay. God. Damn. I will say, Randall, um, because I felt bad that I could not include Henry. Yeah. I opened it up to novellas, so I was able to include Ace Merrill. I, I know you love Ace I Merrill. I love Ace Merrill. So I, I gave people the opportunity. We'll get to um, Ace. Well, Ace, Ace also got... Um, Two votes. So he got All a couple right. votes. I'll do Merrill Hour when we get to Needful Things. Oh, I can't I, wait for me, that. It's well, really not as catchy. <laughs> <laughs> it really, yeah, we'll have to think of something like, you know, like Merrill Lynch. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, that. <laughs> Maybe Merrill Lynch can sponsor us. Yeah, they'll sponsor us. I, well, I guess Ace Hour works. Ace Hour, yeah, yeah. I, well, here's the thing with Ace is that I felt more um, tension and, and anxiety um, for Gordy because he's – a thing that's going to be real, that's going to find him. And yeah. it doesn't matter. There's no supernatural. There's either. Yeah, there's no remedy for it. Like, he's going to fucking find this person and beat the shit out of him. And the consequences are so gripping. And I don't know, that that whole, like, sequence where the way that King describes Gordy being beat up by Ace is just... And it comes after, like, such a, a nice moment <laughs> that it's kind of like... It brought uh, a lot of God. guilt out of me because I remember doing that to children when oh, I was really? younger. <laughs> like, hey, hey, squirt. <laughs> Justin um, wasn't getting laid. He was well, I was beating up kids because I was so frustrated I wasn't yeah. getting laid. <laughs> um, so, so that's interesting. Uh, what is <laughs> a great transition? <laughs> Good transition there. Wow, great stuff, guys. <laughs> wow. Seven doesn't mean you have to be such a prude. Oh boy. You know that's really cool. Here's your ARP card. That's really great. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. What's next? What is next, Justo? Uh, best short story. Holy shit! The best, basically the best of Skeleton Crew. So. I've got it yeah, with me. What, what do you think is the? This is this is a good one because I think we had some good debates about what the best one was. Yeah, I, I still I, go back and forth to be honest with you. I do too, and I could not remember which one we put as number one. In that I episode. can't remember which one I put number one. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what I put as number one. I, I, I know. can remember. What are you all just... 
Well, <laughs> Mel's got Mel had the reach. Mem- memory Mel over here. Mel well, had the Mel, reach. why don't you start? No, I didn't. I had the I'm raft. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, Mel, why don't you start? So, the raft. Okay. No, let's get the jaunt. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It, to well, me, I, it's, it both, it's that's the two one. I went back and forth on. It's, either it's, still, it's still what I recommend to people is if they haven't read Stephen King and they they think of him in a in a very stereotyped way. I say, hey, you want to be scared? Read the sci-fi story he wrote that I think is one of the scariest things he's ever written. Mm-hmm. And it usually it usually works like a charm. Boom. Yeah. And they say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I doubted you. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, just that idea of the life that he throws in there. And, or if, and there's no oh, there's the no portal on the other end. Yeah. yeah. That is what bothers me. I'm telling you, like that idea of you're Eternity. in limbo forever. Justin's like, I don't, I don't care for it. I, <laughs> everybody, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta think about this. Space bothers me. Um, yeah. No, that's a good one. I think I gotta go with the raft, which I believe yeah. is what I chose that's, on the episode. Yeah. But the thing is, I, I will always, and I did on the episode, I will always ride for Mrs. Todd's shortcut because I think I it almost is, put that too. Yeah, it's a really unnerving, really you wonderful. You always ride. What? He's oh, riding. In, ride. Yeah, I ride. He's riding with, with Mrs. Todd. I ride with Mrs. Todd. It's true. It's me, her, and Dominic Toretto. Oh, I'm gonna make you a. I'm gonna make you a T-shirt that says. Oh my ride god! Or die. If you know what, Mel? The, you know, the T-shirt should say, "This is a. It's Todd time. It's Todd time." Uh, so I, I do. I do love Mrs. Todd shortcut, but for me, the raft is uh, supremely terrifying. It is a perfectly thought out, perfectly structured, perfectly written uh, uh, bit of of disgusting body horror that is also emotional and interesting and um true to its characters i'd say uh i remember there's a lot of i don't know it's the the prolonged scene of the jock character just getting pulled through the boards of the raft watch your shin boats kids yeah Yeah. kneecap and it's like that to me is one of the most horrific things i've ever read in my entire life and it still is. And I love that. I love that that story has the capacity to shock me easy, even as an adult because I had forgotten how graphic it was. Um, and so, yeah, I absolutely love it. I think it is um, just kind of a perfect little short story. And so that to me is is uh, my favorite. The John the Raft are just two examples. I know we keep saying both of them, but it's yeah. possible for me at least. I mean, they're just yeah, the Oscars they're, doesn't do this, Justin. Yeah, well, they I, <laughs> and we, we get ties in this, baby. We get ties in this one. Um I just think they're both examples of great compact scary story writing and they couldn't be different more different from from one another, you know. One is pretty much until the very end just psychological and the other one can get very 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 physical as we described with the mm-hmm. the jock getting sucked through and oh god. Um which also got some votes by the way in terms of scariest, oh, scariest moment from a lot of readers. Um both are just phenomenal both are so great again I, even if you told me right now to choose I really couldn't choose. They're just they're just choose. so great. Okay. Shoes I'll, I'll, I'll you right John. now. John, baby. <laughs> Mike? I'll disagree with your John because here's why. I'm, <laughs> I'm between two of uh, the stories as well, John and The Raft. The John is, is about outer space. We don't need to focus on outer space because the real horror is here on Earth and what we've done to Earth. <laughs> ah, but it's not outer space. climate ah. change and pollution. It's an oil and, slick. And, and, and the oil slick from our corporate Ecological America scum. Horror. I'm talking about Exxon Valdez. This is, I'm talking about mobile. <laughs> I'm talking about the Saudi Arabians who sold us baby. oil after oil. Baby, I'm destroyed this it's like, world. Baby, I'm talking about Jimmy Carter, the peanut farmer. I'm talking about the gas crisis in the late 70s. Right now, baby. we have a chance to turn this baby? around. It's like the generic radio guy always says, baby, listen. That's not the Justo like character. 
We can reverse climate change if we can all come together and just make it happen. Anyway, um, trust me on this one. The raft is a cautionary tale Maybe. in that respect. Maybe. <laughs> um, but no, no, for me, there's just something so, again, palpable about the raft. Who hasn't gone to a lake house? Who hasn't gone into, you know, the water and thought like, oh, fuck, like, what is that algae raft, over there? Forget about it's it. It's a raft. <laughs> like, I love it. No, so for me. I love it, baby. I read it as a kid. It Stop stuck it. with me and haunted me forever. <laughs> I, you know, was, was born near water. So that's always just going to be haunting for me. So I was. Born so, I, was I was born in Florida. So this <laughs> is like perfect. I was born of blood. I was born on the I beach. Was born of blood. So yeah, uh, I, I, it's it's the raft for me. And, so I'm really excited to see what the loser, what the our listeners say because I think this is cont- a hotly contested. This is um, very good. It's I'm very opening good. up. I'm opening up. Let's see here. Best short story. Are you guys ready? All right, just read it. It's the John. The John with a bullet. John with a bullet. Justo and Mal are the winners. Uh, John with 33%. And uh, number two, no surprise, The Raft, 19%. So it's a bit of a dip. 19. King's Dominion. King's favorite number, at least. (laughs) Bit of a dip also is a nice little. And I will say, though, Survivor Type and Mrs. Todd were very close with about 13% each. Nice. Those are all great. Hey, look, these are easily the best stories in this yeah. collection. Did anybody opinion. vote for Big Wheels? <laughs> no, not even, no trolls seen. Zero. No. Zero votes. That's great. Oh, that's man. great. Well, that's good shit. Well, uh, as we, as we Although trans- somebody voted for Milkman 1. Oh, come hey, on. Milkman 1 is kind of scary. That's fine. It's no, got moments. No, uh, no I refuse yeah, to believe. Don't, don't deliver me a spider. I'll tell you that right now. I'll <laughs> <laughs> Me and my truck. If as we transition to the next, I'm going to read another bit of Oscar trivia. Oh, yes, of course, <laughs> please. The only this. Oscar to win an Oscar was Oscar Hammerstein II oh. for his song The Last Time I Saw Paris in 1941's Lady Be Good. Oscar Isaac oh. nipping at his heels. Uh, knock, 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 knock. Oscar knocks. Uh, for Life Itself. I gotta see Life Itself. What is the next category, Justo? I got so thrown off by that Oscar Hammerstein talk. The next category, I believe, I will be telepathically giving to Mel shortly. Best okay. novella. Mel, of the five, what is your favorite novella from the 80s? Oh, this was hard, you guys. I know, I know. Um, but I went with that Misty, Misty, Mist. Mm. Um, I, I think it's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the monsters, the way it builds, the ending, which I prefer to the movie version, although I can respect the movie version. And also, I think just the legacy of the adaptation with the story, like there's, it's just a fun conglomeration. I, I think like it has a special place in our hearts um, as as a story and as an adaptation. And I, I I just think it builds so well. I think he takes his time with it. I think it's the perfect length. The Mist is a perfect novella story, um, and it, it shows how he excels in that form, which is an underrated form. Although it's coming back today. I feel like more people are writing novellas, mm, especially in genre fiction. Um, Agreed. And yeah. I would agree with you, Mel. The uh, the Mist is my favorite. It is excellent. I love sort of, I don't know, I love the finality of it. Like the mm-hmm. idea that, you know, he goes to the grocery store and then he's never going to see anyone, you know, yeah. anyone that he knew ever again. It's done. And uh, that to me is really terrifying. I also prefer the ending of the of the book to the film, but I can respect the film. And um, yeah, I'm a huge fan. I love the way it builds its ensemble. I love the the societal dynamics that play out within the world, and I love the monsters. Spooky shit. I agree. What can I say? I love the monsters also. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm uh, I'm with you on the mist. The the thing that's so hard is that you know the monsters. The body has some of King's most beautiful prose ever mm-hmm. put to page, or that he's ever put to page. And the same thing with Rita Hayworth, also. But it's so overshadowed by their adaptations that it's just impossible to kind of really go back to them without even seeing them. And even with the mist, though, like there's a tightness to the mist that those two novellas don't have. Um, and I think that they also stand alone, um, uh, to, to quote, uh, Godsmack. And I think that what's, what's finally, really, finally. We, we have to, we have to give them credit. If yeah. We want, right. Podcast, but, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I think, but I, but the mist is like what Rand was saying, like, it's so tight. It's just, yeah. it's in, it, in, and, and honestly, like Mel, you were saying like, there's, there's just a, there's a lot of mythology that you can glean from it without actually even seeing it in paper. Um, and I, and I love that. I, I, it's, it kind of just opens up your mind and opens up your imagination with so little. And, um, it's one of those stories that I keep going back to like again and again. And I actually prefer the film ending. Mm. Um, I think it's, I think it's got that sort of twilight zone punch at the end. Um, that I think that this story uh, lacks, even though I really do love the ending that's in the story as well, because I like the idea of hope and that you know King will that will try to prevail as humans regardless of all the shit that's going on. But yeah. We, yeah, we touched upon that idea when we were doing the Dark F episode. Like, do you prefer the the final pages of the book or the movie? And I thought, well, I think it, for the the Dark F, the ending of the movie actually works really good for the movie and that isolated universe. But I like I like the ending of the book for what the Stephen King universe is in novel form. Yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of relate to that. Yeah. Um, I think that you can't go wrong really with the body Rita Hayworth or the mist. No, I, I think I, I like how you guys are referring to it as Rita Hayworth. No one does that. <laughs> well, I, I want to specify, you know, I want to specify. And Shawshank Redemption. No, the involved still, still bothers me. I know. It's so creepy to me. It's creepier than anything in the mist. Uh, but I go back and forth probably the most between Rita Hayworth. Once, once again, not Shawshank Redemption, Rita Hayworth and the mist. Um, Oh, God, this is like the John the rap for me. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Justin! It, it's probably honestly. I just love, I love Shawshank and the idea of that story and that the the tag for different seasons is Hope Springs Eternal. I, uh, I I'm often a pessimistic person and I and I think that story really does move me a lot. I, again, I can't argue against the mist or anything else, but uh, for me, it would have to be Shawshank. And I think that also gets lost because, like you said, Mike, that movie is so overwhelmingly beloved by like everybody it's like yeah. a unifying movie at this point but so much of that movie is based directly oh it is on yeah. that story that yeah. red tells so yeah. i i just love that that tale and how it's laid out and the twists and turns and that short like you said Mel, that the novella format works so good for king and it, there's no exception there with rita hayworth and uh, andy and the slammer <laughs> andy and the slammer andy and the oh my slammer. god the andy old vintage the children's book the Berenstein Bears visit <laughs> Andy and the Slammer. All right, Justin, concentrate. Oh, God. Oh, my. Uh, I feel like this might be the, the end, though. While, you, you while you're sending it, I'll read another bit of Oscar trivia. Please do. Oh, oh, oh the Gerbalytics. The Oscar statuette stands at 13 and a half inches <laughs> tall and weighs eight and a half pounds. It depicts a knight holding a sword standing on a reel of film, which has five spokes representing the five original branches of the Academy. Actors, directors, producers, technicians, and writers. In 1949, the Academy started to number the statuettes, starting with number 501. <laughs> Thank you very much, Randall. <laughs> Mel, did you, get, did you get my message? Um, I did. Are you okay? I'm okay. I lived. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Yeah. Um, all right. Drum roll. 
It's the mail. All right. Oh, Mr. Gerbalytics. Um, We've got the mist with 34% of the vote. Beating out the body by three votes. See, that's, I thought Whoa. it was going to be the body. Yeah, 33. Yeah. Um, Rita Hayworth got a lot of votes too, 21%. At people, at people, 8%. Breathing method, 3% of the votes. So there you Man, go. I really don't like the breathing method. I was surprised you got three percent. To be honest with you, but oh, I can't wait for that. Remember adaptation. when we all watched The Mist in Black and White? That's a fond memory I have. A yeah, fond Losers Club memory. That was before you went to Missouri. I think yeah. it was right before. Or was that when you were visiting, or was that before you? No, it was before you left. Yeah, it was right before you left. From a zoo. That night we went to go. <laughs> yeah, to I can Shin- see the arch from my window. <laughs> That's right. We went to go see The Shining, and then we were like, "Mel, go see The Shining," and you're like, "I don't want to watch it again." I was like, "Fuck off!" It's midnight. <laughs> yeah. And then about halfway through, I was agreeing with Mel because like, I was like, doing? "I'm so tired." I did just watch this recently. Why am I doing this? Um, there you go. Yeah. Next, three times. Next category. Is I'm always right. <laughs> Mel or less. It's true. That's what they say. <laughs> it's Mel time. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, no more tangents. I can't. I can't go off a tangent. Number thirteen. We're going to the best Bachman book. This Oof, is going to be pretty one. easy. <laughs> All right. Well, I can just tell you the category, the, uh, the, the nominees really quick. Yeah, go Roadwork. for it. We got Roadwork, The Running Man, and Thinner. Mike. I'm going with Thinner. Randall. Thinner. Mel. That's sweet cherry pie, baby. <laughs> and let's see what the... Oh, by the way, Thinner. Oh, okay. What do we got, Mike? I figured based on the bet you were, uh, you were going for uh, Joe Montana. Um <laughs> Oh, thinner. Oh! <laughs> thinner with thinner, a... Thinner chicken dinner. With uh, a healthy, a healthy 68%. That's lower than I... Or, yeah, yeah lower that's than way I, lower than I thought. I was... Um, of, honestly, of all the results we've had so far, for 25% to be Running Man was absolutely startling to me. Yeah. They're thinking of the movie. They must be thinking... A lot of people must yeah. be thinking about the movie, which I do enjoy for what it is. Or they can be entitled to their opinion. No, maybe. you know no, what? No, no they're not. Fuck they're, that. There's no way that anyone could read that and think it's good. <laughs> Did Randall leave? Fact. He <laughs> Randall is leaving the door. He's always oh, taken his copy of The Running Man with him no, and is burning it. I am here and I'm here to say at the 61st Academy Awards held in 1989, <laughs> the, the Academy decided to replace the trademark phrase and the winner is with the phrase and, and the, the Oscar, Oscar goes to. to. Did you notice? Mm. <laughs> is that what it's I was a little boy and I think I noticed. <laughs> And I remember saying in unison, driving Miss Daisy. Oh, Oof. my Lord. Um, actually, it might have been Rain Man that year in 89. I can't remember, but. Anyway. Love Rain Man. I think it might have been, um, oh, 89, yeah, because 1990 would have been uh, yeah. driving Miss Daisy. Anyway. Wow. It's, it's, is it just the big one? It's the big one. It's time. Is it time for best novel? Randall, you've I'm got the I'm holding it in my little tiny baby hands. This is tougher. This is a tough one. <laughs> what if I had little baby hands? <laughs> <laughs> a Kristen Wiig over here. And an alien face. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I'm going to read all the nominees again because why not? Jesus. Go for it. Fire. This is in chronological order. Firestarter, Roadwork, Cujo, The Running Man, The Dark Tower, The Gunslinger, Christine, Pet Cemetery, Cycle of the Werewolf, The Talisman, co-written with Peter Straub, The Straub. Eyes of the Dragon, Thena, It, The Dark Tower 2, The Drawing of the Three, Misery, The Tommy Knox, and The Dark Half. <laughs> the only one you didn't pronounce correctly. <laughs> the only one I fucked with. T-Nox. Tommy Knoxville. Um, oh. I guess I'll start. Mm. Um, I think I got to You know what? It's like 
every bone in my body like kind of wants to say Pet Cemetery because I adore that book and I love how dark it is and I love um, how scary it is and it does really get under my skin. But I remember saying this when we talked about it, which was just like, what an achievement, yeah. you know? And that's how I feel about it is I look at that book and there's something uh, beautiful about its breath, about what it says about um, childhood and friendship. And it's also so scary at the same time and filled with so much mystery. There's like so many nooks and corners of the uh, crannies of that book that I love digging into. Um, I love Henry Bowers, my favorite character. I love Pennywise. I love the whole gang of the losers. Um, and so, yeah, it is my pick of the best Stephen King book of the 80s. Mel, what, what do you think? What do you well, think? <laughs> I was caught between the same two, and I think I think I went the other way because it is so long. There is room for plotting. That's P L O D D I N G, and there's room for missteps. Whereas mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery is fucking perfect from beginning yeah. to end. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lovely vessel of despair. And I, I love hearing about how Stephen King thought he went too far with it because I think it's borderline true. Mm. Um, but I'm glad that it's out in the world. It is it is just a capsule of grief and horror. And if you haven't listened to our episode on it, I highly recommend it. It's it's one of our best. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not being a I'm not being a humble bragger. It really is good. <laughs> I think we had to break it up into two episodes, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we went long on that. It was a good way though, in a good way. Uh, yeah. So it, it's got to be Pet Cemetery for me. I think it is just. It is just a, a perfect horror object. Mm. Uh, well, beep, beep, I'm coming down the hills of Ludlow, Maine, mm. because I'm in Pet Cemetery. also. I, I, this, this book is why I'm here doing this podcast. Mm. It's my favorite Stephen King story. Um, I think it's just what Mel said. It's just so perfect. It's so tight. Um, I love the characters that are in it. I love the dynamic between um, Lewis and Rachel, and I, it's such a real couple. I love Judd. I think it's the perfect main character that King's ever written. I, 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 when I read that book, I feel as if I in in Maine, and I've never even been there before. Um, and there's just it's just intrinsically a Stephen King story. Like no other, there's just no other story that's like it. Um, and it goes even beyond sort of like the the traditional American folklore, even though it's entrenched in American folklore. And let's be honest, that bathtub hand <laughs> that makes the book to be honest with you. Yeah. So for me, yeah, definitely Pet Cemetery. Um, I think I, I love it with all my heart, but I think there's actually I think barely there are three books that I find. Better for me personally. Jesus Christ, Justin, um, you have to choose. <laughs> well, I still I want to kind of give shout outs to the other great books yeah, of the decade. I like that. You know, I like if, we all, if we all just say Pet Cemetery, which, it, but for me, it is Pet Cemetery, by the way. Ooh. But um, I would also have up their misery. Yeah, right. I, think I, I would agree. And uh, the drawing of the three. Yep, I think is. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, basically, if the drawing of the three was more like the Gunslinger. Nobody would have cared about the rest of the series. I feel like that was the true start to the Dark Tower saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, love it a lot. But it's Pet Cemetery. I think the combination of not only the horror and the terror of the supernatural, but just the, I won't say normal because this doesn't always happen to people, but the loss of a child, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. And there's also some real beautiful stuff in there, not just amongst when everybody's alive, but even after people have passed away that really just hits hard for anybody who's ever lost anybody, really. And I think we've all lost somebody in our lives at some point. Um, so it's Pet Cemetery number one. I know it's... It's kind of obvious because we've all talked about how much we love the book over the over the times, but uh, yeah, it's Pet Cemetery, Firestar, uh, number <laughs> eighty-five. Ooh, 
spicy. Subpar. So that, no, so I think it's, I think the listeners are going to choose it. Don't I you? agree. That's what I was just going to say. Like, yeah. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah. Oh, I think it'll, they'll choose it. I agree. Because yeah. they, they always go with Rock and Randall Colburn. Yeah, that's do. right, baby. Yeah, that's definitely why. <laughs> Here we go. The final kingy. The big, the big picture, the best picture goes to. It's going to it. Oh, it's it. Pennywise, the whole gang's up there. Randall, another healthy fifty-three percent of the vote goes to it. Of number two, twenty-eight percent. Pet Cemetery. Yeah, I figured. Nice, nice. And let me guess three. Yeah. Is it going to be Cujo? Misery. Misery. Oh, misery with oh, eight, I would have with, said uh, Dark Tower. With 8% and then drawing of the three, and number four, was 6%. Did any books not get any votes? Yes. I was kind of surprised at this, actually. I, okay. The, the only two books did not, three books did not get votes. Roadwork. <laughs> uh, was robbed. Thinner. Christine, no votes. Whoa. But that I mean, somebody did vote for Running Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, of all the wow. ones that didn't get votes, you know? <laughs> Wow. Well, that's that's that. Well, uh, hey, thanks again to everybody for taking that. The survey took a little while, especially if you filled in the uh, those two answers. So we really appreciate participation is key. Yeah, we appreciate Not a lot of it. trolls on those either. I think there were a couple people that wrote like, you know, uh, your mom. Oh, God. But Are you really, serious? I'm not we kidding. Like, your mom? Really we like, smart. Like only <laughs> two people. I'm like only two people of the hundreds that, that that participate in that. So it was actually genuine people who love Stephen King and listen or, or listen to the podcast or both. Your mom. Anybody write Trump? Uh, nobody wrote Trump. Oh, wow. Oh. Uh, talk about a real villain. Well, when we get to I'll tell you what, when we get to the team's <laughs> scariest moment, uh, oh. November 8th, 2016. Uh, I think so. <laughs> uh, well. to, I think to cap things off, I've got one more bit of Oscar trivia. Oh, OK, please. here we go. Can I try to guess this? Uh, sure, you won't. But oh, OK, we'll see. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Uh Sibling rivalry. The only brother and sister to ever win Academy Awards for acting. Warren Beatty and Shirley McCain? No, they're not related. Yes, they are. They're brother and sister. No, they're not. They have different last names. Oh, there we go. Oh, Uh, can I guess this again? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Joan Fontaine? You're just making up names. No, no, no. Oh, what's her name? Um, Joan Cusack. No, it was... Oh, my God. This is really going to kill me. You got three, two... It's the X from Gone with the Wind. Scarlett O'Hara. No, it's... You're wrong anyways. Give me the first initial. No, I won't do that. Give me the first name. This is Oscar trivia. We have a way we do this. (laughs) Everyone has stopped listening to this episode. No, everybody wants to know who the brother, the sibling rivalry was. Ethel and Lionel Barrymore. Oh, I was wrong. That makes sense. The other siblings, Uh, I guess only one won an Oscar. King's Dominion there, because they uh, have a granddaughter. Uh, Drew Barrymore. It's a, no, it's a granddaughter, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. She's she in E.T. E.T. Yes. Lionel e. Barrymore. I think it's probably... She's an alien like the Tommyknocker. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to say great granddaughter. Lionel Barrymore won an Oscar for Best Actor in A Free Soul, 1931. Yeah. That's Won an great. Oscar for Best Actress in None But the Lonely Heart, Ooh. 1944. An adaptation of a Stephen King novel. Dare I say Hollywood royalty. The Hollywood Barrymore. royalty. You know them personally, Randall, because you're 57. It's true. Yeah. I'm 57. Mm. I was at the ceremony. Yeah. Uh, you were at the birth of Lionel Barrymore. <laughs> I was there. And so, Mike was busy um, getting bored next to the water. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> on that note, thank you so much for voting, for engaging, for listening to the to the 2019 Kingies. We won't have another one for, for probably until another two years. Who knows? Years. So uh, thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate it. Uh, and we're going to start kicking off uh, the 90s very soon. 
with uh, Four Past Midnight coming up four in June. Four Past Midnight, which is four novellas, The Langoliers, Secret Window, Secret Garden, The Library Policeman, and The Sundog. The Sundog I'm excited about. Yeah. Why? Because it ties into the new season of Castle Rock. Randall, I'm excited because... We are once again into territory uh, in which I have not read this book. Oh, nice. So I'm excited. Have you I'm, started? I've read started. the Langoliers. Uh-oh. And I'll be saving my thoughts for the Langoliers episode, which I'll be on Starring in June. Bronson Pinchot. So yeah. thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, we'll see you next time. Long days. And, and pleasant, pleasant nights. nights. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends.